Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, of course, told you we'd be there uh, all week, or excuse me, all month long. And today we are looking at how Jesus is wonderful, how he's wonderful. Please stand with me out of honor to God and his word as I read. And I know Billy read it, I already read it for Advent, reading it again. It's a great verse. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Thank you. you. may be seated. Do you ever wonder why wonder is so associated with Christmas? I mean, this idea of wonder is just automatically associated with Christmas. I mean, you see children's eyes full of wonder at Advent or full of wonder at light displays or the Christmas trees and so on. What about that classic movie that people watch at Christmas time. It's a wonderful life. And think about the music we sing and we listen to at Christmas time, like uh, Walking in a Winter Wonderland, or It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. Well, why is wonder so associated with Christmas? It is because the one whose birth we celebrate at Christmas is wonderful. He is wonderful. And that's why there's so much wonder associated with Christmas. Now, speaking of wonder, I heard about a guy. He was, in the, he was in the locker room of the gym. There was a bunch of guys in there, you know, getting dressed and so on. And uh, a cell phone rings. It's on the bench there. A cell phone rings. So this guy picks it up. He says, hello. She says, hi, honey. It's your wife. He says, hello there. She says, now, I know I'm supposed to be out Christmas shopping for other people, but I went by the purse store. And there was a purse that's normally $1,000, and it was half off at $500, and I bought it for myself. Is that okay? He said, that's fine. That's wonderful. She said, well, then I went to the, the clothing store, and there was a coat there. And this coat was normally $2,000, but it was cut at half price. It was only, I said $2,000. It was cut in half to $1,000, and so I bought that for myself. Is that okay? He said, that's fine. That's wonderful. She said, well, then I went to the jewelry store. And there was a diamond ring there. It was normally $10,000, but it was marked half off. It was only $5,000. And I went ahead and bought that for myself. Is that okay? He said, that's fine with me. It's wonderful. As long as those are things you want, you deserve them, you should have them. She said, oh, you're such a wonderful husband. I love you. Goodbye. He says goodbye. He hangs up the phone. Then he asks the other guys in the room, hey, does anybody know whose cell phone this is? <laughs> Again, the reason there's so much wonder associated with Christmas is because the one whose birth we celebrate at Christmas is wonderful. Jesus is the fulfillment of this prophecy that, that we read here, written 800 years before he was ever born. He was born of a Hebrew mother into a Hebrew family. When it says, for unto us, I told you last week, that was specifically to the nation of Israel. He was born a male child, but he's the son of God, according to Luke chapter 1 and verse 35. Verse 7, which we didn't read this morning, goes on to talk about how Jesus is in the line of David. And Jesus was born in the kingly line of David. Now, Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, was in the Davidic line. And you can read about his genealogy in Matthew chapter 1. But also Mary, Jesus' earthly mother, she was also in the Davidic line. And you can read about her genealogy in Luke chapter 3. Now, if you ever compare the two, Matthew 1 and Luke 3, you'll notice there are some differences what some people might call discrepancies, but the reason those differences are there is because one is tracing through, Ma uh, through Joseph and the other tracing through Mary, but they both get back to David. 
And so Jesus was born in the kingly line of David. And of course it says here the government will be upon his shoulder. He is ruling. Jesus is ruling even now as sovereign over his creation. But Jesus will one day rule physically on this earth for a thousand years. But what I want to ask this morning is what is so wonderful about Jesus? Again, it says he's a wonderful counselor, but what is so wonderful about Jesus? Well, first of all, I want you to see he has a wonderful name. He has a wonderful name. Now, what's in a name? Well, biblical names often describe a person's character. And Jesus, that name, that's actually the Greek form. His name was actually Joshua. His parents would have called him Joshua, not Jesus, because they weren't Greek. Somebody Greek would have called him Jesus, but a Hebrew would have called him Joshua. In fact, they would have pronounced it Yeshua. Yeshua. But Joshua means God saves or God is salvation. What a wonderful description of one who made salvation possible. That Jesus' very name or Joshua's very name means God saves. And not only is his name wonderful, but his name is powerful. Jesus said in John 14, 14, you ask anything in my name and I'll do it. Now that is power. But more importantly than that, Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 tells us that there is no other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. If you want to be saved, if you want to have eternal life, if you want to spend forever in heaven, there's only one person whose name is Jesus. God saves. He's the only way to be saved. That's power. And having said that, please understand that Jesus' name is not a casual cuss word when things don't go your way. I've heard people use that. They'll say, Jesus Christ, you know, when something doesn't, isn't there, doesn't make them happy. Or they'll just say, Christ. His name is not a casual cuss word. Not only that, his name is not a magical incantation that you just repeat Jesus, Jesus, Jesus over and over and blessing will come to you. It's not that either. Jesus is the holy name of the Holy Son of God and it is to be revered as such. When you speak the name of Jesus, it's a holy name refers to our Lord and Savior. Treat it with the respect that he deserves. So what's wonderful about Jesus? Well, he has a wonderful name. But not only does he have a wonderful name, he has a wonderful story. Consider his conception, how Jesus was conceived. He was conceived by a virgin mother. Now, how in the world does that happen? Well, it's a miracle, right? That's the only way we could explain it. It's a miracle. But not only by a virgin mother... But when you read Luke 1.35, you find out that God overshadowed Mary as well. And because of God's overshadowing, this baby that was conceived in her was fully human, yet fully God. And let me just uh, pause for a second to get political this morning. I want us all to be thankful that Mary was pro-life. You might say, well, that doesn't have anything. That's politics today. No. Women got abortions 2,000 years ago, just like they do today. Now, they didn't go to a doctor's office and so on. It wasn't necessarily uh, sanitary. But when, when women were in a situation, uh, whatever the situation was, and it wasn't convenient, and when you think about Mary, she was in an extremely inconvenient situation. She was young. She was unmarried. Yet she was pro-life. Be thankful Mary was pro-life. And what if she hadn't been? Where would we be? What if she had murdered the very Son of God? Now, we know that God wouldn't allow that to happen, but let's just think for him. What if she had? We would have no hope. We would have no eternal life. We would have no salvation. Be thankful Mary was pro-life. 
So he has a wonderful story, his conception, his birth. Now, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and that was prophesied hundreds of years before in Micah 5.2. Look what Micah says, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Now, Mary and Joseph weren't living in Bethlehem at the time that she conceived. They were living in Nazareth some 80 miles away. You might say, well, that's only 80 miles. They just jump in the car and go down there. Well, that's what we might do now. But 80 miles was a huge, insurmountable distance, practically, in that day. People would rather just stay home than travel 80 miles. And yet the pagan Caesar, Caesar Augustus, he decided he wanted to register everybody. He wanted to collect some taxes. And so he comes up with this plan where everybody has to go back to their birthplace. Well, Joseph had to go back to his birthplace. He took Mary with him. And you know where that birthplace was? Bethlehem. Had it not been for a pagan king who was just wanting to raise taxes, Jesus would not have been born in Bethlehem like Micah said he would hundreds of years beforehand. He had an amazing, wonderful birth. And then consider the angelic announcement to the shepherds. And that angelic announcement to the shepherds was followed by the heavenly host who were singing. Oh, there's Jesus being born. Isn't he cute? But the heavenly host, they are singing and praising God. Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Did you ever wonder why God would make this announcement of the birth of his son to lowly shepherds? I mean, wouldn't you think he'd have the announcement made in a castle? Maybe at Pontius Pilate's place or, or maybe at Caesar Augustus's place? Wouldn't that make sense that the, the king of kings and lord of lords, his birth would be announced in a palace somewhere? Why tell lowly shepherds? Well, there's many reasons. But I think the best reason is this. Who better to look after a newborn lamb than shepherds? You know, who was Jesus? He was the lamb of God. Takes away the sin of the world. And these shepherds had seen hundreds or thousands of baby lambs, and they knew how to take care of them. Who better to take care of a newborn lamb than shepherds? And so Jesus has a wonderful name. He has a wonderful story, his conception, his birth. Consider his life. As I talked about last week, Jesus was sinless, though he was tempted in every way that we are. And think about Jesus' revolutionary teaching. He was all about breaking down barriers, breaking down barriers of race between Jew and Gentile, breaking down barriers of gender between women and men, breaking down barriers of social status. He would minister to lepers, the blind, the demon-possessed. He even broke down the barriers of religion. Jesus simplified things because the Jews believed one thing and the Greeks believed another thing and the Romans believed another thing. Jesus simplified it. He said this, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. He broke down that barrier of all these other religions. He simplified it. You believe in me, that's all you need. And then add to that from his wonderful life, his miracles of healing, his miracles of feeding, his miracles that just defied natural law. And so he has a wonderful story, his conception, his birth, his life. Consider his death. Now something about Jesus' death that I find to be very interesting is it is prophesied in detail in Psalm 22. You might say, well, that's no big deal. There was always prophecies and fulfillments 
Well, Psalm 22 was written a thousand years before Jesus was ever born, written by King David himself. It was written a thousand years before crucifixion was ever invented. And yet when you read Psalm 22, you find a detailed description of crucifixion and of Jesus' death. So he has an amazing death that it was prophesied in detail a thousand years before it ever happened. Then once Jesus died, the Bible says in Matthew 27, 45, there was darkness over the whole earth. Darkness when he died. And then according to Matthew 27 and verse 51, when Jesus died, the veil was torn in the temple. Now what's interesting about that, that veil used to separate the common people from the Holy of Holies, where God himself dwelt. But this this uh, cloth was torn, not from the bottom up, like two priests just gathered it and started walking in opposite directions. It was torn from the top to the bottom. God split that veil, and he says, now everybody has access to me through Jesus Christ. Amen. And then upon Jesus' death, there was an earthquake. The Bible says that earthquake broke rocks and opened graves. And in fact, and this is something a lot of people don't know, but according to Matthew 27 and verse 52, after Jesus died, let me just read it for you. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. Jesus' death was so powerful that it brought the dead back to life. And I'm not talking about spiritually. There were some people that were stone cold dead, and when Jesus died, it was so powerful, they rose from the dead, and they started walking around Jerusalem. He has a wonderful death. And then consider his resurrection. His resurrection. There was an earthquake upon his resurrection. And hardened Roman guards that were supposed to be guarding his tomb, they fainted, according to Matthew 28 and verse 4. I mean, these were soldiers. They had seen warfare. But what they saw when Jesus rose from the dead, they couldn't handle, and they passed out. The sealed stone was rolled away, and then we get another angelic announcement. This time, not announcing his birth, but announcing something so wonderful. He is risen. He is risen. And so Jesus has a wonderful story. His conception, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. Jesus has a wonderful name. He has a wonderful story. He has a wonderful occupation as counselor. Again, that's what we looked at for the text this morning. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. During Jesus' earthly ministry, he counseled people how to have peace with God, living a life pleasing to God. He counseled people how to have a relationship with God by being forgiven. He counseled people how to live at peace with fellow men. And you know what? Jesus' counsel that is 2,000 years old, it is still valid today. You can follow the teachings of Jesus, his counsel, and you can have peace with God by living a life pleasing to God. You can have a relationship with God by being forgiven. You can live at peace with your fellow man just by following Jesus' 2,000-year-old counsel. But following Jesus' ascension into heaven, he now doesn't counsel us by his very presence. He counsels us through his Holy Spirit who lives in us. In fact, this is how Jesus really is Emmanuel, God with us. He is Emmanuel, God in us through the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's counseling role teaches us the things of God from his word. He provides us inspiration. He provides us illumination. 
And he reminds us of Jesus' counsel. Look what John wrote here concerning this in John 14, 26. He said, But the Comforter, who is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. And so Jesus leaves, but he sends his Spirit who lives in us, and his Spirit teaches us the things that we need to know from the Word of God, and then he reminds us of everything we might have already forgotten that Jesus taught us. And he does something else too. The Holy Spirit living within us, he convicts us of our sin. And so he has a wonderful occupation as counselor. He has a wonderful name, he has a wonderful story, he has a wonderful occupation, and he has a wonderful offer. Here is the wonderful offer that Jesus has for every one of us. Eternal life, freely given to all who believe. It doesn't cost you anything. It costs him his life, but it is eternal life freely given to all who believe. Please understand, my friends, I know this is Christmas time, but Jesus' purpose was not to be born, but was to make eternal life available. Jesus' birth has nothing to do with our salvation. There are people today that say at Christmas time, oh yeah, well, I, I believe that Jesus was born and, you know, Mary and Joseph and laid in a manger. I believe all that. We well, see, you need to get from Christmas to the cross. Jesus' birth has nothing to do with our salvation. Only his death and resurrection. His death paid for our sins. His resurrection made us right with God the Father. But let me say this, neither of those would be possible without his birth. Jesus had to be born so he could die. Jesus had to be born so he could rise from the dead. Not only does Jesus have a wonderful offer for us, eternal life, freely given to all who believe, but we have a wonderful opportunity. We have a wonderful opportunity, every single one of us, to receive the salvation that he made possible. That by believing that Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins, believing he was buried for our sins, and the third day he rose again from the dead, by merely just believing with our whole heart that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again from the dead for us, we can receive the salvation that he made available. But we have a wonderful opportunity not just to receive the salvation he made possible, but to personally tell those whom we meet. And especially at Christmas time, not only to receive Christ, but to share Christ with others. And as Southern Baptists, one of the ways we do that is through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. It was mentioned earlier. I want you to know something about the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. 100% of every penny that you give to that offering goes to our missionaries on the field. It, the church doesn't take a, a finder's fee. We don't take some administrative fee. We take whatever comes in, and by the way, the church matches that, and then we send it. So as much as you give, the church matches that and then sends it on to the missionaries on the field. And as Jennifer Miller shared uh, this summer, she, Jim, and I saw what those monies are doing firsthand in Panama. We saw how those monies are being used to reach Panama for Christ. And so we have a wonderful opportunity to receive Christ as Savior and to share him with others. And what's really neat is Southern Baptists through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. You can help reach the world without ever opening your mouth. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't open your mouth. We do need to share. But what I'm saying is there are missionaries on the field literally around the world, and you don't have to say a thing. You just support them prayerfully and financially, 
they take care of that for you. We reach people here, they reach people there. And so Jesus is wonderful. He has a wonderful name, a wonderful story, a wonderful occupation, a wonderful offer. But let me tell you one more thing about Jesus. He has a wonderful home. And that wonderful home is called heaven. Now heaven is variously described in the scriptures. In one scripture it's said that there that uh, in heaven that the streets are made out of gold. The buildings are made out of gold. And this gold is so pure you can see through it. It's translucent. And we've never seen pure gold on this earth. But God's got the pure stuff in heaven. And it is amazing that one of the things that we value the most here on earth, gold, it's the bricks in heaven. Heaven is also described as a place where there's no sorrow, no crying, no pain, no death. Doesn't that sound like a wonderful place? That's heaven. Jesus has a wonderful home, heaven. But I'll be honest with you, I like the Apostle Paul's description of heaven the best. It's found in 1 Corinthians 2.9, and he says, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Paul says, listen, I can't put into words what heaven is like. Words won't do it justice. You've got to see it yourself. If you want to know how wonderful heaven is, you have to experience it. Because your eyes have never seen, your ears have never heard, your heart has never comprehended how wonderful heaven is. You've got to see it yourself. You've got to experience it personally. Well, guess what? That is possible. But only by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. The man who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. He's got a wonderful home. It's called heaven. Now, let me be honest with you again. I think if I had a home as wonderful as heaven, <laughs> I probably wouldn't want to share it with you all. I probably wouldn't. I just want to keep it all to myself. And yet Jesus has this wonderful home of heaven, and he says, and I want to share it with all of you. I want all of you to be there. I want all of you to see it. I want all of you to experience it. Wow. You say, well, what's it going to cost me? Nothing. You receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Believing he died, was buried, and rose again from the dead for you. And heaven is yours. Eternal life is yours. Forgiveness is yours. You know, you might be worried this Christmas about, well, I want to make sure I get a good gift. It's already been given. His name is Jesus. He's not just a good gift. He's a wonderful gift. He's got a wonderful name, a wonderful story, a wonderful occupation, a wonderful offer, and a wonderful home, heaven. <clears throat> and he wants you in heaven with him. And you can be, and you will be, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Do you know this morning that you're on your way to heaven? Do you know that you have eternal life? Do you know that you're forgiven? There's only one way to know that. It's by receiving Christ as your Savior. And if you know you're on your way to heaven, why don't you tell somebody else? And maybe bring them along with you. And at a very minimum, support the Lottie Moon Christmas offering so that there's people all around the world who can take care of that for you. Again, that doesn't relinquish your responsibility to take care of it at home. But 
nobody expects you to get all the way around the world. But that can happen as you support the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. It's no wonder Isaiah was inspired to write that Jesus is wonderful. You know why? He's wonderful. He's wonderful. And he can be your wonderful Savior today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for uh, telling us what we already know. Jesus is wonderful. But maybe not everybody in this, within the sound of my voice knows how wonderful Jesus is because he's got to be experienced. He's got to be received. And so we pray today, even now, that if there's anybody hearing my voice in this room or online, they would receive Christ as Savior and be forever blessed. And then, Lord, use the rest of us who are already believers to share our faith in Christ with others so that they can know the same peace, joy, and love that we do. And we thank you in Jesus' name.